Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Bringing you the latest from the world of sports, DFS, and gambling. With over five years of hot takes and millions of downloads later, I guess he's been doing something right. Now, sit back and listen to one of the sharpest minds in the game. Here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, folks. We have a full slate of NFL wildcard games to cover. I mean, it's favorite time of the year in the NFL for me, just because of all the anticipation, excitement. We got some interesting matchups here. We got one matchup that, you know, everyone thinks is going to be close and I have a tough time disagreeing. Uh, knowing how much I can't stand some of these teams, uh, it it should be interesting. So let's get right down to it, uh, and let's break it down because we, uh, you know, obviously today we got a couple of matchups, and you know I am legitimately uh, wondering how so, some of this uh, is going to pan out because we've got a massive line here uh, with. Uh, the 49ers favored over the Seahawks. Uh, 49ers, 10.5 point favorites, uh, you know, hosting the Seahawks. Listen, the Seahawks are not supposed to be here. We, we know the Seahawks aren't supposed to be here. The reason why the Seahawks are here is because you've had a number of teams underachieve in the NFC. I mean, even the Giants are here. Uh, you know, the Seahawks, however, are in a far worse matchup than the Giants are. 
without question. So this is the one where I just look at this and say, yeah, this is going to end badly uh, for Seattle. No question in my mind. The Seahawks are going to get clapped here. Uh, The Seahawks, awful, awful team defending screen passes. Uh, They are one of the worst run defenses in the entire league. And they're going up against the 49ers. And yes, it's a division rival. So, yes, they're going to play hard. It's like, I'm not saying no. It's like the Seahawks should even be able to put up some points on the 49ers early because this is the third time you've seen the defense, usually uh, with a couple of games, you get a little bit better feel of what plays make the most sense and how to attack. You still got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett's healthy for this one. I'm not saying no. Like, Gito Smith, solid enough QB, ha- has had a great career resurgence here in Seattle. So I'm not saying that this won't be competitive at least for a quarter or halfway through the first quarter. I am saying by the end of this game, the uh, the 49ers are going to cover this one. And I just don't know whether it's going to be through McCaffrey or did I mention Seattle's one of the worst teams covering tight ends? Because not only are they bad against screens, they're also bad against tight end screens. Like there are various ways of uh, San Francisco sticking it to Seattle. That's why I think this game is a blowout because the things that Seattle are the worst against, San Francisco does incredibly well. So between their screen game, the fact that they're going to run it down uh, Seattle's throats with McCaffrey, uh, Elijah Mitchell's going to get some run here. To me, this is just a lopsided matchup. But, you know, it's the opening game. We're going to get out of the way. But I will say, though, that in terms of fantasy scoring and whatnot, I am very curious about uh, this one because I'm not entirely sure if the 49ers are going to be one of the best uh, plays from a DFS standpoint um, in terms of lineups. You know, the the only thing that I, I do think it's interesting is that Brock Purdy... You know, because I talked about how bad Seattle is against screen passes, I don't necessarily mind playing Brock Purdy with Christian McCaffrey and just have Brock Purdy dump off passes to McCaffrey and have that be the offense. The only thing that I worry about with the 49ers is because they have so many different ways of scoring on the Seattle team, you may still get some uh, halfback carries with Debo Samuel lining up as the running back as opposed to Christian McCaffrey. Like, they're... There are various ways of how many different ways uh, San Francisco is going to beat the tar out of the Seattle team. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Seattle. I'm just saying the 49ers, all the things that they excel at are the things Seattle's weakest against. That's why I think this is the most lopsided matchup. There are some other matchups here, and I'll I'll get to the Sunday contest later on where, you know, I know Buffalo's better than Miami. Doesn't mean it's the worst matchup on paper. But um, we'll get to that one in a bit. But for for the purposes of this uh, uh, contest, when you look at San Fred and Seattle, I just think San Fred all day here. Um, and if you want to bet the alternate lines, you know, I could think you could even push this to like a 14 line. Not that I would say do a pleaser and give away points. Um, 
because uh, I, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to do that this weekend. But I will say that you could uh, look at some just direct alternate lines on the spread and just bet the San Francisco side because I, I do think uh, they uh, pull away here. You know, Seattle, like I said, Seattle might be, if you're trying to bet the Seattle side, maybe you can bet the first half spread that Seattle keeps it close enough that it's it's still a competitive game because, uh, you know, with everyone expecting a blowout, uh, you, you could get the first half line and actually win that with the Seattle side. I wouldn't necessarily do it, but th- that's a potential option you can explore. Moving on to... Man, I, I can't stay up both of these coaches. I, I'm going to be perfectly blunt here. Brandon Staley should have been fired ages ago. The fact that he got Mike Williams injured and only now people are like, Brandon Staley should be worried about his job. You know, for those of you who've listened to the show long enough, you've seen me cover enough episodes where I point out all the different ways Brandon Staley has effed up this Chargers team. And the people were going to say, oh, but he's only in his second year. He's got the Chargers in the playoffs. There are different levels of expectations based off of the teams that you are coaching. And, like, people need to bear this in mind. The Chargers have Justin Herbert on a rookie contract. Rookie contract. They have one of the most loaded defenses in the league. Before Brandon Staley was there, the Chargers were a top five defense under Anthony Lynn, who's an offensive head coach, by the way. They didn't lose people. They didn't lose people. The Chargers were a top five defense under Anthony Lynn, had a bunch of injuries on offense. Everyone get uh, piled on... Uh, Anthony Lynn said he was stunting Justin Herbert's development when, guess what? Keenan Allen was hurt. Eckler was hurt. Mike Williams was hurt. Most of the offense was hurt Justin Herbert's rookie year. Everyone blamed Anthony Lynn for stunting his development. They go out and hire Brandon Staley, who's a defensive head coach, mind you. I'm, you know, let's just call it what it is. Defensive head coach. The Chargers went from a top five defense to a bottom five defense, year one and year two. The, the roster has not changed. The, like it's it's a complete farce with everyone who was trying to defend Brandon Staley. The Chargers were five and zero last year to start the year. They were five and zero, missed the playoffs. Meanwhile, you got this year. Oh, the Chargers went on a run to uh, to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. Like you, you played a division where you had the Broncos and the Raiders between Nathaniel Hackett and Josh McDaniels, two other coaches who should have been fired this year. Uh, I, I can't. Like the, the, the Chargers had one of the weakest schedules in the NFL. If you couldn't make the playoffs with the, the schedule, uh, see, I, I'm I'm already in rant mode. I'm already in rant mode because I, I literally I want to read off. The schedule of teams the Chargers actually played this year. Because I think it's important. I think it's important for people to understand how much of a cakewalk the Chargers schedule should have been. They played the NFC South. They played the AFC South. I want to read off the Chargers schedule of their non-divisional uh, uh, non, uh, divisional, uh, uh, contests. I mean, because they play in the AFC South. I mean, they play they play the AFC South for um, 
uh, for the AFC side. So they played the Jags already. They played the Texans. They played the Texans, folks. They played the Browns game that they should have lost because they went for it on their uh, on fourth down from their own 38-yard line. And because Kevin Stefanski is an idiot, he didn't run the ball to kick the game-winning field goal, even though the, the uh even though the field goal, there was a penalty that the refs should have called that they didn't. But regardless, they got the win over the Browns in the game they should have lost because Staley's an idiot. But Stefanski somehow trumped them there. Uh, they uh, they lost to the Seahawks. They beat the Falcons. They beat the Cardinals, which isn't saying much, uh, given all the issues going on with Cliff Kingsbury and God bless Cliffy going to Thailand after getting fired by the Cardinals. Just saying, no, 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 F it. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm, go, I'm going to Thailand. Don't call me. Just just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, by the way, uh, even with the nonsense of playing the Raiders and Broncos, they still split the season series against the Raiders and Broncos. I just want people to understand this. They lost to the Broncos in the final week of the regular season, playing their starters all three quarters and getting Mike Williams hurt in the process and got beat by the Broncos. with playing their starters. It wasn't like they pulled starters early. They, they played their full starters, got beat. They beat the Dolphins without Tua. Uh, I mean, the Titans, the Colts. I, I mean, they clinched the playoffs with a Colts team that was deliberately trying to throw the game. And don't ever, anyone actually try to say that the Colts are taking that game seriously. Because you watch how the, uh, they were play calling for Nick Foles, just chucking and praying deliberately into double coverage and try to act like that wasn't an NFL team trying to throw a game. No. No, 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 no. I, 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 I can't stress enough how much of a joke the Charger schedule was. And yet still, people want to act as though this was a tremendous accomplishment. Not to say that the Jags are world beaters either, because, uh, let me be clear, I also think Doug Peterson is one of the most overrated coaches in the NFL. Uh, Doug Peterson, who, again, is a subscriber to, let's keep going for two, even though it doesn't functionally make sense given the context of the situation. And yes, I know the analytics folks are going to be saying, oh, but Dwayne, if you go for two in certain situations, you get more leverage over kicking the extra point. Guess what? You're not going to get the two-point conversion every single time. The failure rate is significantly higher than 50%. You're trying to execute a play from the two-yard line, which is a a demonstrably harder play to run than if you're executing it uh, for the folks that like to go for it on fourth down. It's a completely different situation. Going for the two-point conversion... Usually you're backed up in goal line formation. It's a completely different conversation than going for it on fourth down. I will keep saying this uh, like because I've had enough arguments about this where folks just rattle off stats without putting into context of where and when the down and distance was between going for it on fourth down versus uh, going for it on two-point conversions. It's a completely different beast. Uh, go for it. So unless your kicker is having like some type of mental breakdown, you go for the extra point. It, it This is not that complicated. 
Because more often than not, your kicker is still going to convert more than 95% of the time. Your failure rate on two-point conversions is not nearly as low as people want to say it is. Because they always want to say, oh, yeah, you can get it 50% of the time. Not necessarily. You could easily go over two, and it's not and it's not bad luck. It is literally the uh, toughest part about trying to pl- run a two yard play when maybe you went for it on fourth down to get to that spot, and so you've already used up your plays where it's short yardage already to catch the defense off guard, and so now you're even in worse spot because you're technically at the two yard line. Everyone keeps saying, "Oh, it shows should be so easy to score from the two yard line." It's not that easy, folks. You actually have to have specific play calls designed for it. And if you already went for it a couple of times during the course of the game, most of your uh, your money plays in short yardage situations to trick a defense, you've probably already used them by now. It's not that easy. But with that being said, because I already went off on my rant, um, you know, the Chargers are favored on the road. This is the stupidest line of the year. Have we not seen this Chargers team? I'm not saying Jacksonville's good, but would you actually trust this Chargers team? Given everything you've seen from the Chargers the last two years with Brandon Staley, you would actually trust this Chargers team. Like, the people who are recommending the Chargers, you should be brought up on charges because the Chargers can win this game, but it's going to take the Jags effing up for the Chargers to win this game. Because I know the Chargers are going to screw this game up somehow. I don't know how or when. But I do know the Chargers are going to make some stupid decision repeatedly to keep the Jags in this game. And the Jags are home. So for for you to actually favor the line towards the Chargers means you think the Chargers are so, so demonstrably better that they can overcome the multiple fuck-ups that they will have inevitably during the course of this game and that Jacksonville will make just as many screw-ups on their end to counterbalance the the uh, what the Chargers, not just the Chargers are going to do. I'm telling you, the Chargers are going to screw up a couple of things in this game. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to surprise me to see the Chargers in a big lead and somehow lose the game because the Chargers blow leads all the time. Especially with Brandon Staley. I did tell you the Chargers are a bottom five defense with Brandon Staley. Did I not? Like, I don't understand how anyone in their right mind can actually say that the Chargers being favored by a half point is a good line. I, I, I vehemently disagree with this line. This is one of those where I would basically tease this. Uh, with something else, and like, and I'll and I'll get to that game later on. But I would tease the Jags being an underdog at home with the Giants on the road at Minnesota, because even though I firmly believe that the Giants have a better than good shot of beating the Vikings, you can still see a scenario where Minnesota pulls ahead late and gets it to a touchdown score. I would tease. Uh, uh, this Jags game with the Giants, just so you give yourself the cushion. Because, yeah, the Chargers could win on a last-second field goal, and, you know, uh, because Doug Peterson goes for a goofy play and it backfires. There's no question about that. But the only way the Chargers win this game is through Jacksonville screwing up at home, which is entirely possible because you've got uh, uh, 
uh, Trevor Lawrence in his first NFL uh, playoff game. You got the jitters. Uh, you know, Herbert's going to be in his uh, first uh, playoff game as well. But, you know, he, Herbert technically has more experience than, uh, uh, than Lawrence uh, by, uh, by a season. So I would expect Lawrence to be a little bit more jittery than Herbert. I would like to think that uh, Doug Peterson would be cognizant of that and uh, play it more simple where they run the ball with Travis Etienne against, again, one of the worst run defenses in the entire league. Did I tell you the Chargers are a bottom five defense in this league? How do Chargers favor it on the road as a bottom five? De- in this game, ugh, I'm tired of talking about this game. I like it. Realistically, I want to target multiple pieces for the Saturday slate from a DFS standpoint. I want to target multiple pieces from uh, the Jag side and then run it back with Keenan Allen. I, I at least think that makes the most sense. You could play the San Francisco pieces. I I, I don't have any issues playing George Kittle. Uh, you could play Kittle. You can, Hell, you could play Kittle and Evan Ingram um, together. I, I just think that there are way too many ways that... Uh, the Chargers can get punished by the Jags. And yes, it'll probably be the chalky way folks are going to build this weekend because uh, everyone's expecting the blowout from San Fran at Seattle. So uh, people are probably going to worry about uh, starters getting pulled. But, uh, you know, I I still think at the end of the day, you have to kind of be cognizant of the fact, simple fact that you can get a high-scoring game between the Chargers and uh, Jags, and it's more likely Chargers and uh, Jaguars is a high-scoring matchup compared to what you're going to get out of San Fran and Seattle. I, I just think, you know, realistically, that's uh, that's the scenario that you're you're probably going to run into. You know, it, it, and it's I, I just think that it's you know. I think it's more straightforward in that regard. I, I don't necessarily think that it's uh, that wild of a statement. I, I think it's pretty straightforward in my opinion. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of does it make a ton of sense? And you know, if you if you want to uh, if you want to make it more of a balance, um, yeah, you could you could play more of the San Fran side. And just hope that they just get just enough scores to uh, make it uh, like make it competitive. But I still think that a more predominant side of Jags builds uh, ends up in a winner from a DFS standpoint. But given that it's a two game slate for uh, Saturday, uh, I'm not as um, I'm not as crazy about the Saturday slate as I am the Sunday slate, because I I do think Sunday uh, there's a more viable route for me personally in terms of uh, attacking uh, attacking the Sunday slate than it is the Saturday slate. I think the Saturday slate kind of sets itself up as if you want to get different, play Brock Purdy. If you want to be more closer to uh, the winner, I think you're going to end up having to play Trevor Lawrence. That's just me personally. Uh, but getting to the Sunday slate, uh, we got Buffalo favored over Miami and I'm going to be blunt here. 
Because I do believe, even though it's a third-string quarterback, and, like, I know everyone's left, you cannot possibly be saying the Dolphins have a chance in this game. Hear me out. It's not that I think the Dolphins have a chance. It's that I know the Bills screw around with way too many games that they should just pow teams. Pow teams hard. So while I expect San Fred to clap Seattle, I do think there is a very real chance Buffalo gets up on Miami, starts screwing around. Josh Allen starts making some turnovers, turning the ball over to red zone, making bad interceptions happen. Like, I can see the scenario where Buffalo gets up by, like, two touchdowns and then just starts screwing around, and then all of a sudden you look at, at the fourth quarter and Buffalo is somehow only up by a field goal, and now it's, like, kind of a scramble drill where they're uh, they're holding off Miami. Miami feels confident, and, you know, Buffalo, this is a 10-and-a-half line, and, like, it's, I've seen it go up to... Uh, twelve in some spaces started to come back down, but it's like basically you've got you've got a double digit line. There's a real chance that Buffalo only wins this game, and I, and I'm I'm serious here. I'm serious, folks. There's a very real chance that Buffalo only wins this game by ten. That's not going to cover the spread. You know, do I think they beat Miami? Yes, yes, they're going to beat the Dolphins. Uh, I'm not calling for an upset. What I am saying is. Buffalo has not played clean pretty much the entire year. And I am tired of trying to back the Bills. People are going to play the Bills on the Sunday slate. And I'll tell you, Josh Allen's going to end up being one of the worst plays because he's the most expensive dude. And I think you're going to get much closer games where quarterbacks are playing seriously for the entire game and not screwing around with the way. Because for Josh Allen to be on the winner, you basically need Josh Allen to throw for... uh, uh, throw for over uh, 300 yards and rush for like 50 yards and throw three to four touchdowns in order for Josh Allen to be on the winner because the Bills pieces are so expensive with Josh Allen. I I, I have a hard time seeing um, how Josh Allen uh, is the play on Sunday slate. And I'm telling you, I, I played through this entire NFL season with Josh Allen is the on what he's heavy favorite. Like, he does not play that well. He, he like for whatever reason, he just starts getting too cute with the ball, and it's a bad look. I'm telling you, it, it's the reason why I have fears about him in the divisional route. And I'm gonna say it, they're like he, they're gonna play Cincinnati. Uh, it's like it's gonna be Buffalo and Cincinnati in the second week, and I just have way too many concerns about Josh Allen this year. Uh, taking care of the football that I think Burrow's going to upset them. I think Buff- uh, Buffalo's going to get beat on their home turf by the Bengals. I'm, I'm just calling it now. Uh, just uh, just so you guys know, I'm, call- I'm calling for the Bengals to beat the Bills uh, next week. But while we still have this week on hand here, um, yeah, I, I you know, they beat the Dolphins, but I don't think it's the blowout that everyone's expecting uh, because of a third string QB, I, I think Miami will come out with a solid enough game plan to, uh, to attack the Bills. Their defense will be able to take advantage of Josh Gallup being careless because he's been careless all year. 
It, it, like nothing. It, like the, the biggest shock to me would be like Buffalo winning by like uh, like thirty plus points and Josh Allen having no turnovers. To me, that would be the biggest shock because I've seen enough of the Bills this year to know that the Bills are not playing quality football heading into the playoffs. It, it just hasn't been the case, and it's what has me concerned about the Bills' actual Super Bowl hopes because. I just don't think that they play clean enough football to get the job done. So, yeah, I would say uh, on the Miami side, you could absolutely throw this into the te- three-team teaser, Jacksonville, Miami, and the Giants. Call it a day. Moving on. But I will say from Miami side, don't expect this to be like a Tyree Kill kind of game. It's like, we're going to measure expectations about how Miami's going to score. I think Miami scores because of the fact that uh, the Bills screw around. I'm not necessarily saying that Waddle and Terry Kill are going to have monster games that they would typically have under Tua. It's like, you got to manage your expectations on this one. All right, moving on. Let's talk about my Giants traveling to Minnesota to play the Vikings. I've hated this Vikings team all year. They play close games. They get bailed out. They really, really should be losing more games th- uh, than they did this year. They were fortunate not to lose more games uh, this year. It, t- to me, this is just one of those uh, situations where I think, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you could absolutely pet, uh, like just pick the Giants out right now like I, I honestly think the Giants can beat this Vikings team it would not shock me in the slightest to see the Giants beat the Vikings because this Vikings defense plays a defense where they bend and they also break like I, like it's it's rare where you just basically allow a passing offense to be that bad with and just Gamble on the fact that, hey, we might make a pick eventually if you throw it enough times against us. Like, it's a terrible strategy the Vikings employ. Meanwhile, their rush defense is about average. It's like, it's not as though they're even that good of a rush defense. So, teams end up having a chance uh, to play, uh, uh, to uh, to hang in there against the... they have. They end up having a chance to hang in there against, uh, um, against the Vikings because of the fact that they, you know, realistically just uh, they they just allow teams to get way too comfortable in the offensive game plan, and then they go into panic mode with having to chuck the ball up to Justin Jefferson. To bail them out. And, like, I I just feel as though... And the Giants aren't necessarily the team to do this. Because uh, the Giants should have Adoree Jackson back for this uh, matchup. But it's not entirely clear... uh, It's not entirely clear that uh, you're going to get... It's not entirely clear, in my opinion at least... That you're going to get... uh, the best out of 
Kirk Cousins in a high-pressure situation. Like, I'm just going to call it for what it is. Kirk Cousins is a choke artist. Like, like it, it, it just has to be said. He is a choke artist. Historically, in his career, he has been a choke artist. In high-pressure situations, it's why his primetime record is bad, but his record in games where you basically need him to show up, he's he's not been a good playoff performer. And the stats aren't that bad. But if you watch the tape, you watch him leave opportunities on the on the field because he's too afraid to make certain throws. I, you know, I just I'm just gonna say this. Like, I think the Giants have such a clear cut coaching advantage in this matchup. It's the most lopsided advantage of the weekend from a coaching standpoint. I think the uh, Giants coaching staff is so demonstrably better than the Vikings coaching staff. It's not that close, in my opinion. I don't think it's that close. So, from my standpoint, like, because you watch all these other matchups, coaching-wise, I hate Brandon Staley, but I t- I be perfectly honest with you, I think Doug Peterson's overrated. So, I don't even think that's that lopsided of a coaching matchup. The most lopsided coaching matchup is in this Giants-Vikings game. And so, with that being said, I do think that the Giants are going to hang around here and beat the Vikings. Because what the Vikings rely on when they get into panic situations is they're going to chuck the ball up to Justin Jefferson. What I think the Giants are going to try to do, and, you know, it, it probably won't work that effectively, but I do think it's going to put Kirk Cousins in an awkward spot where I think the Giants are going to do kind of a a cloud uh, coverage where someone's going to be over the top on Justin Jefferson uh, throughout the course of the game, and they're going to force Kirk Cousins to like actually be a quarterback, recognize where K.J. Osborne's on the field, or uh, T.J. Hawkinson, and identify where he's got to get the ball out to and make Kirk beat them. And this is the thing. A lot of teams have tried to make Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins beat them, but... Justin Jefferson has found a way to get involved. And listen, I'm fully cognizant of that. Like, if the the Giants can't get Justin Jefferson uh, slowed down at least a tad, they're going to lose. They're going to lose this game. But I do think, having played the Vikings already, they're going to see a lot of the plays that the Vikings did and have counters ready for them. That's why I, I look at this and I say... You know, yes, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I just think this is the most lopsided coaching matchup of the week. And it's like, I, I don't think it's that close. And normally, it, it, like you would say, the coaching, uh, the, the coaching mismatch is, is the game with uh, uh, a total that, uh, a line that's like over a touchdown. The Giants basically are only a two-and-a-half-point underdog because even Vegas recognizes that they don't trust the Vikings at all. So this is this is a very unique situation here where we, we may get an upset, but it's not an upset. It really isn't an upset. I, I know folks will look at this as an upset, but it's not an upset. Because if you watch the Vikings play all year long, 
all year. The Vikings have been getting by barely against certain teams that they should have been stomping. Like, this is not a very good Vikings team. I don't think the Giants are very good either. I just think that, uh, again, with a uh, with the time to prepare, because the Vi- uh, the Giants basically knew that they were locked in and pretty much it was a guarantee, you know, barring a complete meltdown by the Eagles and Cowboys that they were playing the Vikings. The, uh, the Giants had a chance to look at the Vikings, see how they lost that game by a, a 63-yard field goal, I think it was. Uh, from Greg Joseph to like prevent that game from going to overtime in Minnesota, get a chance to look at exactly what went down, and literally, I think it's pretty straightforward, in my opinion, that uh, the Vikings are in for a dogfight here. Uh, Against the Giants. So like, could the Vikings win? Absolutely. The Giants aren't that very good. But I do think that, you know, there's ways where the Giants are just going to pepper their wide receivers. And, I mean, again, it's not that Daniel Jones is good. It's just that this Vikings defensive alignment is just so, I just so vehemently disagree with how they play defense it, it just it just drives me crazy I mean hell Mike White shredded his team and Mike White's not good folks I'm sorry Jets fans Mike White is not very good <laughs> it's like he's in he's about as close to uh below average to average as you can get for like vanilla uh Daniel Jones is it is the same guy I've said his entire career. He's not as bad as people think. He's not nearly as good as some Giants fans think. He is basically in that twelve to fifteen range of QB that you get the Ryan Tannehills of the world. Like, but here's the thing: if you're going to give him short yard uh, yardage passing uh, available, where you get eight to ten yard routes open consistently. Between Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James, I think they're going to be open. I think Slayton should be able to have a good game against uh, this Vikings uh, secondary. They play off of guys all the time without pressing teams, and it's crazy. I don't, I don't see the scenario where Dan Jones doesn't throw for over 250 yards against the Vikings. I don't, I don't see it. Because it's going to be there all game long. The other piece of it is that Daniel Jones can scramble. And again, the Vikings don't like spying on teams either. That's why Justin Jefferson uh, uh, cut their ass up too. And like, I don't like this Vikings team at all. And like, Again, I, I know Vikings fans don't want to hear me bash on their team consistently. But the Vikings are lucky to have the three seed. They should have they should have been the one seed, but because of the reasons why they ended up like the Vikings are oh god it, it, it's it is what it is. The Vikings are fortunate to be a three seed and they had a chance to be the one seed. That tells you all you need to know. I, I just I can't stress enough that I feel the safest with betting on the Giants uh this weekend. 
yes, you can throw a bit of a teaser. I'm betting the Giants outright. I feel pretty confident uh, that the Giants uh, can pull off a win here. Uh, yeah, am I going to not go all in with the Giants bets? No, it's like I know the Giants aren't very good either. But I do think that uh, you could throw the Giants into a teaser, uh, into a three-team teaser between uh, Jacksonville and Miami and feel pretty good about that. Um, I just, again, I don't necessarily see. And the other thing is, well, on the teaser front, you could also uh, throw that teaser on the Chargers side instead of Jacksonville if you really feel nervous and you want to say, oh, well, maybe the Chargers lose by... But I still think the Jag side is the way to go. Uh being the home team. So that's all I got to say about that. It's like, but on the Giants side, yeah, you can throw them into the teaser, but I am betting on the Giants outright to win this game. Um, I I don't think it's an upset. I don't think it's an upset in the slightest if they beat uh, the Vikings. Moving on. Cincinnati and Baltimore. All right. We still, uh, so as I'm recording this, so it's, uh, it is a uh, early Saturday morning, uh, but you know, just being perfectly honest, no one knows if Tyler Huntley is going to play this game or not. We know Lamar's out, and there's a very weird situation going on with Lamar Jackson uh, and the Ravens, where they're kind of going through a divorce, but no one's saying that they're going through a divorce, and so and through a breakup. But it's like, you know. Seems as though, like, because Lamar's talking about he's not appreciated and all the injuries he has. It it just seems like a very odd situation that's going on at the moment where uh, I don't necessarily get what the, uh, I don't necessarily get what the end game is here. Because uh, from my standpoint, you've got, so, you know, the Ravens offense has gone south. And predictably so, because it's built around Lamar. Lamar, like, you talk to folks, Lamar's holding out for his contract. I just don't know what to make of his Ravens team, because um, Tyler Huntley has, or Snoop Huntley as they call him, you know, he's been solid, but realistically... Do you expect that Ravens team to score more than 17 points? And I don't. And I know this defense has not played well throughout the majority of the year. If the Bengals are playing well, and again, I don't necessarily like their coach in Zach Taylor, but I do expect the Bengals to be able to put up 24 points. I'm not necessarily seeing where the Ravens are staying competitive in this one, and the Bengals are favored by slightly less than a touchdown. To me, I I, I look at this as uh, you know, I kind of expect uh, you know, I just kind of expect the um, I, I just expect the Bengals to kind of take care of business here. Now, it's uh, it's an interesting one because you know, because uh, I can hear some of you guys saying it's like, well. You know, if you hate the Bills, how they're playing, why would you feel more confident about the Bengals? It's not that I feel that much 
like the Bengals haven't uh, the Bengals have had their own share of issues and again I'm not a big fan again I still think they have a bottom 10 coach in Zach Taylor in the league here it's just that there have been so many bad coaches this year it's like it is hard to rank all the bad coaches in the NFL just because you got about 80 percent of coaches in the NFL being somewhere between average and outright terrible um, you only have like a very small number of coaches that are pretty good at their jobs. Um, and again, uh, John Harbaugh used to be in that good category. John Harbaugh's kind of fallen off in recent years. I am not actually, uh, I am not actually, uh, uh, complimentary John Harbaugh, uh, and the coaching job he's done this year. I, I felt he's lost a bunch of games for uh, the Ravens this year, personally. Um, but that's just the thing. I I don't necessarily feel that uh, the Ravens hang around with this one, unless J.K. Dobbins has a monster game running the ball against... Uh, uh, like, uh, Unless like J.K. Dobbins just has a monster game running it against the Bengals... I'm not, I'm not sold on the uh, Ravens keeping it closed because the Ravens need to keep this clock running and give the Bengals as few possessions as possible, in my opinion, to pull off an upset. Like this, this has to be a case where they limit the possessions for the Bengals and they get some turnovers from the Bengals to keep this one relatively close. I don't necessarily see the Bengals. Um, Giving giving that over, it's possible, but Burrow has been way more careful with the ball than Josh Allen. So, to me, like the game plan is different for the Ravens, and the Ravens absolutely need all the breaks to go their way. Um, that's just my opinion. It's like uh, it's possible that you know the the Bengals lay an egg because that's a I want to say that's a Sunday night game. Um, yeah, that's the Sunday night football game. Looking at the schedule, um, is it possible that like they get the nerves and? It, but it's like it's the second go around. Like, I don't know because they also struggle. They they also should have pounded that Ra- a Raiders team when they made their Super Bowl run. Like like the Raiders had a real chance of actually beating the Bengals, which which was a comical result um, when you watch that game again as as I did. Uh, just uh, kind of recapping some of these teams over the years, uh, just to see certain trends that they might do for the playoffs. Um, yeah, the Bengals do get cute at times with their play calling. Again, Bill Lazor and Zach Taylor not exactly my favorites amongst uh, coaching coaching staffs, but I, I just do think that with this uh, Ravens team, where they built it around Lamar, you got guys who are not Lamar trying to execute the offense. It just it just looks a step behind on everything, so I'm just not I can't commit to it. All right, let, let's uh, let's wrap this uh, uh, puppy up. So let's uh, let's talk through um, Sunday night football. I mean, not Sunday night, Monday night football. Um, we got the Cowboys and Tampa to close out Wild Card Weekend. I mean, whew. This is um yeah. Um 
these teams suck. <laughs> like, uh, I'm going to be perfectly blunt. Like, this was one of the worst games of the year uh, earlier in the year on Sunday Night Football to start off the year where Dak hurt his thumb. It was a just miserable game to watch. Um, Brady couldn't do anything against the Cowboys uh, defense. Dak, as I said, got hurt in this game. Couldn't do much. I expect a bunch of punts here. Do I think Dak can throw the ball against this Tampa front uh, and secondary? In theory, yes. Dak should have a good game. In theory. But we've been waiting, in theory, for Dak to play well this year for a while now. Um, It's one of those things where we always want to have a quarterback in a matchup, especially on showdown slates, um, because this is going to be a showdown slate Monday night. You always want a quarterback again that can throw against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they play so aggressive in the secondary that, you know, they just give up opportunities down the field. And you've got C.D. Lamb. They, the the Buccaneers suck against tight end, so Dalton Schultz. Like, Dak has the weapons to punish this Bucs team. But to the same point we make about the Bills, Dallas Fs up just as much as uh, some of the most clueless teams in the league. So between the Chargers and Bill, like Dallas is in that same boat where even in a position of strength, they somehow turn it into a weakness. Uh, you know, can Dallas play a clean game and win on the road? Yeah. Do I like the fact that Dallas is favored by on Tampa? Hell no. I don't understand this line either. To me, you know, I don't love the Bucks at all. But if you're telling me I can get a road dog against a team in Dallas that has already struggled against them, I know is prone to making terrible turnovers, especially in their own end of the field, it's, it is hard for me to actually recommend Dallas in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's not that I want to recommend... Dallas, I would even rather recommend taking the under on this game than betting Dallas. Uh, you know, again, could Dak have a, a big game throwing the ball against Tampa? Yeah, but I could also see Tampa getting a pick six and a fumble recovery return for a touchdown in this matchup too because we've seen the Cowboys implode and guess what? It's very possible that uh, Tampa could get one or two defensive touchdowns in this matchup. It's it's very possible, in my opinion. It's also possible that the, the Cowboys could do that against Brady because Tampa's offensive line has been hurt all year long. There's talk that Ryan Jensen might come back at uh, uh, the Pro Bowl center, but uh, Tampa hasn't had a stable line the entire season. It's part of the reason why Brady has struggled as much as he has. Uh, he's got no run game, and he keeps chucking the ball. Again, I'm not saying that I recommend Tampa. I'm just saying the Cowboys as road favorites, again, to the same point I made with the Chargers, the Cowboys make a ton of mistakes. This is not one where it's like I'm not getting the benefit of being a dog on the road. I got to take them as a favorite to win outright? Uh, I'm I'm not feeling that. I, I just don't necessarily see that scenario. Could they win? Yeah, but it's like they're not 
they're favored. They're not an underdog. So you, you don't get any value with the bet on the Cowboys. I, I think there's way more downside risk with the Cowboys and a team like the Chargers than, you know, people are realizing, yeah, you want to uh, bet on some uh, home teams uh, home teams being favored and, and them losing. Yeah, sure, you could do that. But to me, it's more the most likely scenario of home teams losing I would say it's it's Vikings, Vikings first. Then I will okay. I will say this: uh, Vikings most likely home team to lose. Then second most likely, yeah. I I I would I would in that regard I would put Tampa next, but I think it's a significant drop off. From, like I think if I in terms of confidence level. I think there's a 65% chance the Vikings lose. And then next up, it's probably Tampa at like 48%. Like, I still th- I still give a slight edge to Tampa. Some of these other matchups, I just don't see... Again, I know people want to take the Chargers. But I've seen... I've seen the Chargers screw up too many games. So that's why I would still say, even with all that, Tampa's still probably the next likeliest team to lose. And Jacksonville's not too far behind. But I think far and away the most uh, vulnerable team out of all these playoff teams is Minnesota. Just based on their playing style. So that's all I got, folks. I'm going to go uh, get on out of here, uh, maybe get some reactions during, uh, um, like, uh, on Sunday, just in terms of reactions to uh, Saturday, and, like, if I have any other input as to um, the games themselves, but, yeah, that's all I got, so, until next time, uh, best of luck, enjoy the games, and, uh, yeah, I'll catch you around, later. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all major outlets. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, 
everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.